0: Reckless speculation. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Played him once in Cincinnati and we beat him. I think the score was like 14 to 7 or something like that. And he had the ball in a two minute drill and it just started pouring down rain and I'm Yes.
2: <laughs>
0: I was actually saying a few more things, but um, I was happy that Randy we ended up winning. I think, you know, he really tries to make, make you win left-handed. Um, you know, he's going to try and take your best players away all the time. He's going to try to exploit your weaknesses uh, the best best he possibly can. He does a great job in, in everything as well, but, um, you know, his teams are extremely disciplined. They don't beat themselves. You know, to be able to maintain and sustain the success that they've had year in and year out and different players and injuries and things like that, that's I think that's a uh, a credit to coaching. Uh, Mike Zimmer, uh, the first clip was Mike Zimmer on Tom Brady. The second clip was him saying Bill Belichick is one of the great coaches of all time. Those guys, some back-and-forth praise this week. Yeah, I'm not surprised.
1: I'm not surprised. And I, I think it's genuine. I found it very interesting, though. If I saw these quotes right yesterday, Belichick said that they look at Zimmer's defenses to try and steal ideas. Yeah. Because a lot of what they do is is not similar, which surprised me, because they're both from the Parcells tree. So I thought that, that they w- would be very, not identical, but I, I thought that they would share ideas, but it sounds like they don't. And therefore, the Patriots actually look at the Vikings' defense to try and steal ideas
0: to incorporate into their present scheme. You're saying that they would talk behind the scenes or something, or no,
1: no? I'm saying I thought that the schemes would end up being similar because it comes from the
0: Parcells tree. Oh, for both of them. Well, but, but they really don't. But I think where where both of them actually deserve credit is they're not just taking stuff that was from 20 years ago. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they. I agree. With you. Yeah, they both started off around the same parts of you know NFL coaching trees, and then. They've evolved over the course of twenty years, and that's why they're both sitting here in their sixties. As well, Belichick is a few notches above Zimmer in terms of head coaching pedigree, but in terms of like defensive pedigree versus, yeah. you know, Bill Belichick. You know what's overall- so us?
1: You know what is so us in in this town? So in eighty four, the the year that Steckel was here, Steckel thought that he had poached Belichick, who I believe was a position coach for the Giants at that time. Yeah, he- and we still write and talk about that. Belichick could have come here in '84. <laughs> that's the, so. That's just so us.
0: They went over that. What was um, Manny has a better chance of remembering this than I do. But they in the Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells. Uh, it wasn't a thirty for thirty year, was it? It was the two Bills. The two Bills. Yeah, it I was a 30, was for 30, thirty for thirty. Yeah, it was yeah. great, and yeah. they went over that for like two or three minutes. And if I'm not mistaken, Belichick maybe even flew to the Twin Cities and was ready to accept a job, f- and then they so. gave him a big raise. Bart's Parcells gave him a big raise. I yeah. think Sid broke I the think story. So. Yeah, I think Sid, oh, that's Sid what it had was. the story. It got, it got out. Yeah, and somebody told maybe Sid Belichick was unhappy that it got out. I wish I could. Now we're just stumbling over remembering. But it I was. do. It's a great thirty for thirty. But I just love how we how we think to ourselves. We could have Belichick. Isn't it fair though that <laughs> if if Bill Belichick had become a head coach in 1984, that may have been ten years or fifteen years too early. What if he becomes a head coach in 1984? He's not ready for it. He flames out with the Vikings, and then he doesn't get – because he didn't really flame out with the Browns. They actually built that thing up to be an 11-win team, and then they moved, and it just got weird after they moved. Yeah. So he. So I don't I don't think the league looked at him and said, oh, he was a flame out in Cleveland. But maybe if he had taken a job too early in the I 80s thought, with the Vikings.
1: I, I thought the story, though, was that Stucco was going to put him on his staff as the D.C. here. So the so the progression would have had to have been that Steckel flamed out completely, which right. he did. No,
0: I get that, and then got the head coach But job. we're but we're drawing the connection that oh, if he had been the DC in yes. Minnesota, then he would have eventually, with a crappy head coach getting fired, have been the head coach instead of Bernsey? Right. That's I think that's where people are connecting the dots. Well, it went
1: what it went Bud Steckel back to Bud who who said I'll come back for one year in '85 to Bernsie. save your bacon,
2: and, and then Bernsey. And if. Belichick had actually been Steckle's defensive coordinator in 84 do they go three and 13 and Steckle ends up being gone are they better than that
0: <laughs> they go six and 10. Six and ten yeah,
2: now
0: <laughs> um, we're gonna get to a ton more football stuff in the football hour Rich Gannon Matthew Collar but just before we get to Danny Cunningham and talk about some Wolves things the uh, the, the six and two since Jimmy Butler was traded Wolves against the Spurs tonight this came across earlier in the week. Rob Manfred, MLB Commissioner. Uh, I saw this tweet originally from Darren Ravel, and there's a bunch of stories that are sort of playing off it. I feel like two years ago, it was off-season crisis, emergency meetings. How do we address pace of play? Right? How do we implement pitch clocks in the minor leagues and maybe get rid of, you know, humans calling balls and strikes and pitch clocks start, for sure. Right, like, for sure. And then get rid of mound visits as much as possible, even though there's 12 total still allowed. But it was like, come to Jesus meeting about pace of play. Now Rob Manfred says, quote, slower pace of play of baseball is actually an advantage in gambling. (laughs) Love that. As it gives an opportunity to be creative with respect to the types of wagers that can be made between plays.
1: (laughs) What? Wait,
0: I have so many. Yes. Co- I have so many questions I have about this. All about this. I have so many questions. spin, spin, spin. Dude. If you can't fix pace of play, hey, you know what? Yeah, the game <laughs> takes forever, but you can but what? you can gamble between pitches around the time. okay,
1: I'll start here. around the time that you guys were born or just before. Mickey Mantle and maybe Willie Mays were gonna be associated with a casino, like to do appearances, right? Like
2: probably mid 80s. Sign out a- yes. Okay. Sign
1: autographs. Just very, ve- And baseball's like, if you do that, you are no longer associated with baseball. We are we are drawing a line of sand. No gambling. Poor Pete Rose. Yeah, exactly. So right. so now so now it's 2018, and we're not only told that baseball, which goes way too slow, is a good thing, but we're told because of gambling.
0: Dude, I need to know Help me. I need to know A, if Pete Rose has seen this quote, and B, what the look on his face was when he read this quote. <laughs> Wait a second. I know that he brought a lot of this on himself by just lying about it for twenty or twenty five years. And he was probably the lying was probably worse than the actual transgression. But that dude is banned from everything Major League Baseball related, will never get on the Hall of Fame ballot because he bet in his own team. He bet in his own team a long time ago. Yes. And now the commissioner of baseball is saying, you know what? Let's open this up. You want to bet 300 times a game between pitches? We're going to give you plenty of time, everybody. This That's quote, right. We love gambling.
3: This quote only makes sense unless or if they're allowing gambling booths in the stadiums themselves. Like, well, I can't think of a reason why it makes sense to say
0: this. How about instead of... Instead of it's like so an dumb. extra cotton candy vendor or an extra hot dog vendor, we just have vendors going up and down, taking your bets between pitches. all right, two and one, two and one here. Don't think it's not going to happen now. What do you got?
1: What do you got? Single up the middle or uh, fly ball left. He's what do you got. He's readjusting his batting gloves. I'd like to put up a bet. So is this supposed to be is he trying to say that if you're in a sports book and you're watching a bunch of baseball games thank god the game moves so slow so i can just you know hey that guy might take a ball in the cleveland reds game
0: well if you're okay i'm i'm not like uh, what am i hold on i think i'm doing here i think this has to be a play to get in bed with online Types of wagering, right? This isn't like a sports book well, did, play. Unless you're going ra- like to, between pitches, you're going to just race to the counter and put a bet Didn't this on? quote
1: come from from the, the fact that baseball did a deal with like MGM? Yeah, they did a deal with MGM. So that's it. So he's saying now, well, this is fantastic because the game moves so slow. But what I'm trying what I'm trying to deduct here is, okay, so the game moves slow. What exactly am I now gambling on more because your game takes three hours and 25 minutes?
0: If baseball winds up getting a rake from overall wagers Let, let's say if if there are you know there's six billion dollars waged on major league baseball games and the business model for major league baseball is cool we get x percent rake off of those bets don't they want the games to be as long as possible now don't they then <laughs> want the so games to be like six, six hours,
2: hours. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is so you know bad. what they should just go all out expand get an expansion team put it right in vegas Oh, put it right in Vegas. They will probably. They're, they already have a triple triple A team, I believe. The, the Mets Las for a long Vegas Fifty Ones. Yeah, the build, Mets were there for a long time. Build a big ballpark. Just have slot machines in there. Just all just just make it a casino slash ballpark. Turns into soccer, basically. Oh, yeah.
0: Have you guys seen the new the, the renderings for the new Oakland Coliseum? Yes. that thing looks ugly.
1: No. Yes, it, it me, looks, looks oh, terrible. Say, I
3: love it. No, that what, looks awful. What's ugly about it? It's just way too boxing. You got the stupid grass thing going up the top, which is
0: apparently public access. Yeah, that's what I want—some drunk fans going up there, inebriated, going, "Let's go on top of the baseball stadium." Somebody, on, when I threw this out on Twitter, grass some, up there too, California. Yeah. Someone yeah. suggested that they they replicate the Kauffman Stadium fountains, but yes. take, but they take a page out of the old Oakland Coliseum and have it just be a sewage fountain. Oh, I saw
1: your tweet wow. about that. I saw your smart ass tweet about <laughs> a the sewage. Sewage fountain the in the center sewage. field. <laughs> they can just get it straight from the bathrooms. Oh,
0: just man. recycle
1: it through. I think it looks cool. I like it. I hope they get a stadium. They need one.
0: They do. And it's supposed to be it's it's gonna be right next to the waterfront in Oakland and they want it to be kind of a hub for technology. I'm gonna tell you right
2: now. It they, looks like a greenhouse.
0: Well, no, it's it's being called yeah. uh, not a greenhouse. A
2: jewel
1: box. A, a jewel, jewel box, box jewel stadium. Box. It's cool. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. tell you this right now, though. If baseball is serious about embracing its length of game, it is coming very close to losing me completely. As much as I loved it, and it's a great sport, I can't do it. Yeah, but
0: now you can gamble. I'm not good at it. <laughs> 1994,
1: I gambled for in 94 and 95, and I realized after, after Patrick said the stupidest thing you can do is gamble on sports, he was right. Yeah.
0: I quit. Oh, man. <laughs> when we come back here, our guy Danny Cunningham from the Raised by Wolves podcast and 1500ESPN.com, he's going to come in here. And there's something happened last week that just over the, the Thanksgiving stretch, I don't know how much we've touched on it on this show, but KG's back. KG was back at Target Center, and I think it's worth maybe expanding on that, too. And also uh, later on the football hour, Matthew Collar, Rich Gannon, it's Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next.
2: Gentlemen, To the medicine cabinet. On
0: 1500 ESPN. 850. Live from the TCL
2: Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back.
0: Come on, there's so much to do. On
2: 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check your traffic here. Uh, Folks, you got to be safer out here. 35 W northbound, we got a vehicle spun out. Uh, in Richfield, between uh, 121 and Lindale Avenue, uh, that's about a seven-minute delay. And uh, also 35W southbound, we have another vehicle spun out, uh, causing a ten-minute delay. That's between Third Street and 11th Avenue in Minneapolis. So when the weather gets like this, people, you gotta be careful out there. How safe is Tibbs? <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, it's not safe. Uh, you know, he's that laughs I, at a lot, Johnny. Well, I mean, that's
0: just the reality of the situation, John. I, mean- I know, yeah. Uh, not very safe. I love how he laughed at your question.
1: Too. <laughs> it was just a cackle. It's like a,
0: ha, <laughs> <laughs> uh, safe. Danny Cunningham is here from 1500ESPN.com and the Raised by Wolves podcast. Can I offer a little devil's advocate opinion or thought? Not really opinion, I guess, because I don't own it, but just a thought. Or a fake opinion? Just a notion. A notion. The Wolves are 6-2, and two, right? They're 6-2 and two since Jimmy Butler Since the trade. The trade. Uh, they are the best defensive team in the NBA since the trade. And the pieces that Tom Thibodeau, who made the trade, got back in return, have been perfect over the last two weeks for this team. They've allowed Carl Anthony Towns to step up and shine and be the player that we all thought. And I'd like to see Josh Akogi play a little bit. But is it possible You're that we should be there. praising Tom Thibodeau for getting what he got, A, in the trade, and B, for the 6-2 and two record. I can
3: understand that line of thinking, but also the reason the Wolves were in that mess was because of who? Tom Thibodeau. Well, I mean, like, that's it's just not a not as if minor this, detail to it's my not premise. not as if this mess came out of nowhere. This mess occurred because Tom Thibodeau set it up for failure. So, yeah, you should be giving him and this team a little bit of praise for the way that they've played recently, but you have to remember how they got here. And you have to remember that if this team didn't start off four and nine, we could be looking at them as a team that's currently at the top of the Western conference, but instead they're trying to get back to 500 tonight. So you have to remember how they got to where they're at. Yes. He deserves a bit of credit for this past eight game stretch, But one, that's still a pretty small sample size, and two, he's the reason that they had to go six and two just to get to ten and eleven.
1: Johnny said that um, the path for Tibbs to survive would be to have to make the playoffs and probably win a round, and that's a big ask.
3: That's a tall task.
1: That's going to be, but but his point was he used up so much goodwill. That that Taylor going to look at this and say, "Give me a lot, N- not just not just a a nice comeback after the Butler trade, but then take this team into the playoffs and potentially win around." Good luck with so
0: that. So that, that what you just said, or, or I guess you're translating what Johnny K said, yeah. is just another one of 50 reasons why Glenn Taylor is a terrible NBA owner. If he's thinking, if the Wolves achieve this result, then Tom Thibodeau is safe. I don't really care what the result of the season is. Now, okay, if they get to the Western Conference Finals or something, <laughs> to me it's more about the process and what this thing looks and feels like. I want to know what the chemistry is like, and you can see it on the court. You can see it in the way that players interact. I want to see how the Wolves stack up throughout the course of the season, if Tom Thibodeau is going to get a chance to prove himself now with this new roster that he has created. But it's not as much about wins and losses. I mean, it it is peripherally, but it's... Okay, what does Joshua Kogi look like at some point? Can you get more out of Andrew Wiggins? Is Carl Anthony Towns back to being this future player that that the team's want to build their entire, you know, next 5 or 10 year plan around? And if they happen to win extra games or like it's more about what it looks like and what it feels like to me. They need to
3: figure out way the way to unlock Andrew Wiggins' potential. That's the biggest thing here because Cat is he's been playing better since the the Butler trade, and it it feel it has seemed in the locker room and on the court as if him and Robert Covington are best friends, like actual best friends, not just like have good chemistry on the court, but hang out off the court. That and, matters too. Yes, and in Cleveland. They were the last two in the locker room joking with each other. Today, they were asking each other questions at shoot-around, like during the media scrum after shoot-around.
0: See, that stuff doesn't matter as much. It depends on the sport. That stuff doesn't matter as much in football. If a defensive player hates an offensive player, well, they're not going to have to interact with each other. Almost meaningless yeah. in football. Barry Bonds and Jeff Kent fist fought at times, and they still went to Game Seven of a World Series because in baseball it's more of a series of individual matchups. I'll do my job, you do your job. Well, Basketball, and- I mean, it's all—it's offense, defense—it's all together. And Barry Bonds was best baseball player of all time, too. That so helps. I mean, too. That helps. Yeah, it helps. Oh, yeah. it helps. oh yeah. slow your roll, young man. Oh but continue no. on. Oh no. But you continue want to on fight about that. <laughs> but continue
1: on. We all know the Bambino. Is the greatest of all
3: time. Oh, stop! Hey, did you know he was actually a pitcher at one point? It's crazy. No, People don't know that. Oh, no. he it's started amazing. with the Yankees. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Drafted by the
1: Yankees, the Bombers as I call them. Uh, why can't uh, okay? So here would be my my primary question for Tibbs right now. Why can't Josh Hoge get on the floor? Because well, when we he has played in the past six games, two minutes.
3: Yes, so healthy. That, that's a problem. Tibbs is set in his ways of playing a nine-man rotation, yep. and at this point, Covington has been incredible for them. You can't take any minutes away from him, and I know Tom Thibodeau will never take minutes away from anybody, but the way the bench has played lately, too, especially that four-man bench that plays where it's Dario, Rose, Gorgi, Tyus, and then Covington from the starting unit that's been opening up the second and fourth quarters— That's been the best group on the floor for the Wolves as of late. So you can't mess with that. I'm all for Okogi getting minutes, but there just don't seem to be any right now. And when they're playing well, and especially the bench players that are getting time are playing well, it's hard to argue that he should be on the floor. Now, is he maybe more talented than Tyus Jones? Is he a better defender? Could he help this team? Absolutely But you can't argue with the results that they've been getting with that group right now.
0: I get that there's a size discrepancy here and a major contract discrepancy here. But if you guys gun to the head, if you had to allocate 35 minutes to one player and only one and the other one plays zero, Andrew Wiggins or Josh Akogi, I'm picking Josh Akogi. You are. I'm, you are I'm the, done the, with Andrew Wiggins. You are
3: the conductor of the Josh Akogi train, aren't you? It's that, but it's also, but you're also, so <laughs> Tell hold the truth. So
0: you're you're new here and I'm not going to hold this against you, but I'm also the conductor of the anti-Andrew
2: Wiggins train. So Which is I'm fair, especially after the past three games. You and Scott Korzanowski.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Corzo might lead that train.
2: Korzo's <laughs> out in front,
0: but I'm definitely sitting like a half a row behind him. You're yeah. the co-pilot there. It was really interesting to see
3: Monday night that Andrew Wiggins took a DNP in the fourth quarter. And not because the game was a blowout. The fourth quarter started with Minnesota up by four. And Derrick Rose, of course, leads them to a 12-point lead with that bench unit that I talked about on the floor. And then when the starters came back in, Wiggins was never one of them. Taj came back in. Teague came back in. Cat came back in. Covington played the whole fourth quarter. Wiggins never got off the bench. And part of that was because Derrick Rose was playing well. Part of that was Andrew Wiggins hasn't been playing well. Now, after the game, Tibbs said that Cleveland was playing a zone, and that was a reason as to why he didn't want Wiggins on the floor. And I'm sorry, but if they're playing a zone and Wiggins has 20 points that night, he's on the floor. I don't care what defense anyone's playing. If Wiggins is playing well, he's
0: playing in crunch time. Yeah, he's not, but he's not good. He's He's not a—by what measure, other than potential and— Measurables is Andrew Wiggins a good, efficient, effective basketball player? And, and he's in his fifth year. There is no measurement. And I'll even go to just tools, okay? He can't shoot. He, he has can't. shot the three pointer better this year. But even I know the, the last, last, couple the last couple weeks,
3: three games have not been good. But prior to that, he's been he's been over forty percent from three before the last three games. But with the last so that, three
1: games, he's
0: back to league average again. But
1: what does what does when when you talk about tips? unlocking his his potential in year five or or at this point of his career, what does
0: that look like or mean now? Stepping down and letting someone else try? Well, yeah. right, but no, seriously, but, what does it look some, like?
3: Well, sometimes yeah. it takes a different, it takes a change of scenery. Look at what Victor Oladipo did last year in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Was Victor Oladipo that player in Orlando? No. Was he that player in that So okay, does he, 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 tra- player in okay, does he okay? need to be traded? It's like, not like, necessarily give me the a path. trade. Give me it, this path. It's not necessarily a trade. Sometimes it's the leader. Maybe it wasn't that, He couldn't that Oladipo couldn't perform in Orlando or OKC. Maybe it's that he just related it and Nate McMillan was in Indiana, was able to get so much more out of him than anyone else could. That Billy Donovan couldn't get it out of him, that Frank Vogel couldn't get it out of him in Orlando. And it could be maybe Tibbs just can't get it out of him here. Maybe someone else can. That doesn't mean he needs to be traded and he'll never be a good player in Minnesota. But it means that he needs something to be different to reach his
0: potential.
2: And it's probably, even in the case of like Ola Depot, it was probably like a combination of things. Playing in Orlando, dumpster fire organization. Oklahoma City, good organization, but you're playing with Russell Westbrook, who dominates the ball. And I think the rust thing is big. Yeah, and then you go to Indiana, where it's like they embrace him as being the guy. Nate McMillan understands that, and then he flourishes. So, I don't know.
0: Uh, I have one more question before because you got to bounce out of here to Target Center, I'm assuming, right? Are they? Yeah, they're home tonight. They are home tonight. So, we actually, uh, this is probably a longer discussion for another day, but just for fun. Derek Rose, we were debating in the prep room the other day. Is Derek Rose for real? And I said
3: yesterday on the podcast, Derrick Rose is good again. I finally said it. I, he, I refused to do it before yesterday, but I
0: did it. Here's why I'm skeptical. And he deserves full credit for shutting a lot of us up over the past year when we all mocked and ridiculed. And it's it, it was still a very provincial signing for Tom Thibodeau. It was a very comfortable signing. Oh, yeah. But his improvement is almost 100%. It's, it's certainly not him jumping out of the gym like he did six or seven years ago. He's got some spring back, but he doesn't have MB MVP spring back. His improvement offensively is 100% because he's a better shooter from 16 feet and beyond. The numbers don't lie. He's shooting 46% from three point range, which is 16% higher than his career average, which is very bad. It's 30%. And he's also shooting 40% from 16 feet to the three point line. So, I don't know if I trust those numbers to be sustainable. Is Derrick Rose just a lights out shooter now when he hasn't been for 10 years? I mean, I think he's like, he's an
3: elite NBA three point shooter. That's all you have to call him here. He He is right now. You don't have any other options. He is right now. I think we're just going to see it all star weekend. Derrick Rose against Carl Towns for the three point contest crown. That's what we're going to have to see in Charlotte in February, right? right? (laughs) <laughs> Told you not to smoke pot before you came in for these hits, and you still did it. No, you you said everyone that thought the Wild were going to the, gonna win the Stanley Cup Finals was smoking pot. No, oh, they do. They are. They're I want, I, to, I, an I, I don't want to talk about them. I wanted anymore. an option on that poll, um, instead of winning the Stanley Cup, that they want Bama. I would have voted. I, I would have voted Bama. <laughs> it's
1: very good because there there was once time on every Mackey and Judd poll where there was just an arbitrary selection of Brett Favre. Yeah, Brett Favre was just an
0: answer for every poll for like a year. <laughs> it had
3: nothing to do with any. It could be baseball poll, Brett Favre. All my polls right now, would we want Bama would be the fourth option.
0: This, this is a good segue because when we come back here, we're going to say bye to Danny Cunningham, find bye. his stuff on 1500ESPN.com and Raised by Wolves podcast. We're going to make Judd be positive when we come back. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I
2: thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please. Continue On 1500 ESPN.
0: Archibald scores! Well that's not gonna ease anything. And they score! Dubnik looked like he thought he had the puck. And the Coyotes have tied it. And the building has gone silent after Minnesota dominated the second period, scored twice. Here's Archibald in. Dubnik sprawls. Archibald scores. And it's 4-3 Arizona. The Coyotes have scored three times here in the third period on seven shots against Dubnik. So as you can imagine, Judd wasn't uh, too happy about what happened to the Minnesota Wild. Last night against the uh, Coyotes. So the opening of the show was a lot of vitriol from you. That was a very fair criticism of what went wrong. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, blowing a 3 1 lead in the third period is never ideal. Did they do that last year to the Coyotes at one point, too? That was 3 0, yes. Okay. Very good. Yes, they did. 3 1,
1: and then they lose to a team that hasn't been to the playoffs in six years.
0: So uh it was definitely warranted but sometimes you know you teeter between not positive and negative but like negative and suicide when it comes to our <laughs> local sports teams it's just hatred. So uh we figured uh that this is a good opportunity for you to be positive about one of our local sports teams. So Manny explain what we're about to do here before I hit the intro. Judd has no idea. He has no prep here. He's just going to be forced to be positive on the spot,
2: correct? Correct, Correct. yes. Uh, He's going to be, uh, this is the Judd Positivity Challenge. He's uh, going to be required to say five positive things about a team, uh, one of our local teams here in the Twin Cities. It's time for Judd's Positivity Challenge. Judd Zolgad has to say five positive things about the Minnesota Twins.
0: Are we putting a time limit on this? Like, if he takes longer than 10 minutes to think of five positive things. (laughs) If he takes longer than 10 minutes,
2: we got problems. I'll tell you that much. All
0: right, Judd, the floor is yours. Let's try and... Bring a positive energy to, to the show here, to the segment at least.
1: Okay, can these be can these be positive things that might happen, or do they have to be things that I know has right positive now? Positive
2: things that exist. You can't make up things that you can't say. Like oh, like Byron positive might, things. Yeah, yeah. The you can't say can't like be, Byron okay. Buxton's going to be the AL MVP. No, oh, they can't. Be. They also
0: can't be. Well, that would. I think you could say something like that, but it can't be a backhanded compliment. Correct. It can't be okay. it right. can't be backhanded. And I've got the buzzer and the dinger here. If we decide that it's a backhanded compliment, okay. we're All gonna right. buzz it. Yes. All right. I love it. Should I start? Yes. Number one.
1: There you go. On, I'll make it official. <laughs> Rocco Baldelli seems like a genuinely nice person. Uh, we give him that one. <laughs> well,
0: let's see it goes. let's see where it goes. Let's
2: we'll see give where him that goes. One. That was okay. close. That was close. Right. Here right. it goes.
1: Derek Falvey and Thad Levine have updated what was an antiquated front office to um, to be in line with the times of
0: baseball, giving the Twins a chance to compete.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Very good. That's very nice. They actually might be one of the more analytically forward teams sure. in baseball now. I'm going to give them that. Mm-hmm. I'm not
1: going to mention one thing about Buxton and what they did to him. <laughs> no, so,
2: Ow! Shocked!
0: It's a backhander.
1: Oh, no, it wasn't backhanded. That was frontal. Um... <laughs> they are addressing the first base position after a marvelous career by Joe by picking up guys who are going to provide power at first base, which is going to be great because the fan base wants that. This is pulling teeth right
2: out. <laughs> CJ Crone, 30 home runs, right? 25 home, home runs? Hit 30 home runs last year, I think, right? Tyler Austin, right? Season, yeah. Some
1: power? Yeah. So we're going to see. We're going to get a guy who's got power.
0: So if CJ Crone performs poorly and the Twins look back in the offseason— Are they going to refer to it as Crohn's disease, or I'm going to let you?
1: I'm going to let you have that one. All right. I'm going to let you have. I'm at uh, three. Is that correct? Yes, gentlemen. All right. Um, uh, The fourth one.
2: Oh, the fourth one. You're like having an allergic reaction right now. This is difficult. Well, this
1: is difficult coming off the season that they had. Um, Whoever they get to play second base won't think that he is the captain of the team.
0: No, 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 darn. Nope. 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 Not. Nope. darn. Uh, there are rumors that the twins are interested in DJ LeMayhew, by the way. DJ LeMahieu, a free agent, he's been with the Rockies the last few years. He may have won a batting title. He hit 300. Yeah. I he hit one pop up year. Right. Like with I, think yeah. right. mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think you're right. There's a bunch of pop up batting champions with Colorado, including two former twins,
2: Kadir and Justin Moore. Oh, I got one for you. How many do we have so far? Two, three, 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 right.
1: two more. Target Field continues to be remodeled on a regular basis, making it still one of the best ballparks in Major League Baseball.
0: I'm going to buzz that. Why did you buzz that? See, because you can't buzz that. I praised him. <laughs> you praised the structure in which the team plays in. We're looking for praises mm. of the actual team.
1: Oh, I thought that I could stray to praising what's, the actual stru- what's the structure. What's next?
0: Minneapolis is a great, clean, environmentally <laughs> friendly city. <laughs>
1: The Twins' flags that they put on the light poles are very nice. Um, oh, no, wait wait, I'm not done. Uh, Max Kepler is sure to turn a corner after having somewhat of a disappointing season, but he's still full of potential.
0: Yes! All right. I'll give you that one. Yeah, we will give you that one. Took a little dip down there toward yeah. negativity, but then you came back. You almost I, went backhanded there. I'm nope. questioning
1: it. I look forward to the 2019 season in which we get the return of Jason Castro, who can pitch frame really well, giving the Twins an advantage in that metric for catchers. I'm
0: going to buzz that because that was insincere Judd that just came in. How right <laughs> oh, did you judge me? <laughs> you can find Matthew Collar on 1500ESPN.com, the Purple Podcast, and also now Saturday Sports Talk.
1: Yes, you 10 guys, to noon uh, with, uh, with me. Lots of fun,
0: Matthew. <laughs> Lots of fun. In, uh, we we know when insincere Judd comes on. That was insincere Judd.
1: That'd I'm, be cool, man. I'd like to, to see that again. I'm working really hard right now. <laughs> I'm working really, really one hard. One more.
2: You can do one more, Judge. I'm working really up hard. To four.
1: I look forward to the continued success of Kyle Gibson, who turned a definite corner in the last two
0: years. There it is. Yeah. All right. Yes. All Congratulations. Right. There you go. <laughs> now, don't ask me if I believe what I just said. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, When we come back, we're going to give away Gopher uh, hockey tickets. And also, the football hour is on the horizon. We'll see if Judd can bounce back from that difficult segment there, praising the Twins. Uh, Luther Brookdale Toyota, it's going to be actually really easy to praise them. I can think of five really easy things to praise Luther Brookdale Toyota about. A brand new, within the last five years, facility that uh, offers comfort to us, the customers, and great working environment and stations for the people who work at Luther Brookdale Toyota. Expertise, you just get this peace of mind when talking to and interacting with the people in the service department, in the showroom area. Uh, Durable vehicles, 80% of Toyotas that were on the road 20 years ago, still on the road today. Uh, The Luther Lounge, that's praise item number four, where you've got Six cable TV stations and a lounge area to hang out. Two massive flat screen TVs. Complimentary snacks and a play area for the kids. And uh, location. It's right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. It's very easy to spot. Luther, Brookdale, Toyota. Five praises. Very easy. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout on 1500 ESPN. Mackie
2: and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yes. On 1500 ESPN. All right. Quick check on traffic here and uh, all those crashes I talked about earlier uh, have been cleared away and uh, things moving around rather smoothly. Although with the weather, we encourage people to drive safely out there, continue to drive safe and uh, prepare for just extra long drive times because when we get a little snow like this. The roads can get a little sick, flick and crazy.
0: All right. What was the, the phone call you just took off the air? About our our last segment there, the Judd Positivity Challenge.
2: Yeah, I was kind of read the riot act, basically about uh, talking about the the job that the front office men Derek Falvey and uh, Thad Levine have done with the Twins, and that uh, they have not done anything to improve the roster, and that if we keep talking about that, uh, the caller said that he's going to throw up, and uh, he was very tired of uh, hearing about them and their cybermetrics. 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 <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> Oh, man. Those you know, cybermetrics are very confusing, you know. They are. They can be, they can be those internet statistics, those cybermetrics. We're probably
1: not talking about a guy uh, in, in the age bracket of 30 to 45 or so, are we?
0: No, probably not. That would be my guess. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, but I, honestly, to, to put yourself in, a, in the shoes of a fan, if you're a fan who pays a lot of money to watch the Twins almost every year the last five or six years outside of the two years ago run to the wildcard game... Totally understand why you're frustrated. Understand why last year's team filled with expectations was disappointing. Mm-hmm. But we talked about this on the Touch Mall podcast yesterday. I think Thalvey and Levine are being criticized, not crucified, because that's people aren't that passionate against them. But they're being criticized for whiffing on some free agents last year. Lance Lynn was a whiff to DeRizi wasn't a free agent, but he was, you know, he was up and down. He was a trade that they made. Uh, Addison Reed was a whiff, and then Logan Morrison was a whiff. But if you go back in the moment, all of those guys and their track records and the contracts not being bad five year, 10-year contracts, right? I think that I know critics are gonna hammer me for this. I think they just got unlucky with some of these. Who wouldn't have signed Lance Lynn? Hell, we were on this show saying you have a three or four it. year contract to Lance Lynn. They got out after one year. I
1: also think the whole thing was done where if it worked, that's great, and if it doesn't, if it didn't, that was fine too because yeah. it was all cut bait. It was all now the one thing that none of us even thought about at that time was was I guess the moral of the story and the lesson that was learned is if you sign a slew of of what essentially turned into mercenary ball players it can backfire and it did but the one good thing is this to me now in 2019 going forward becomes the absolute key because this is now their team it's their manager it's their roster and and that's why the conversation goes back to the most important thing as of right now what can you get from Sanoa and Buxton yeah it's that simple but that 2000, that 2017 team overachieved by a ton. 2018 is disappointing, but as far as the judgment on the tenure of, of this um, chief baseball officer and GM, I think it truly, truly starts with two, 2019. And now the question becomes,
0: this is your team, it's your guys, yeah. what can you do? It's also amazing that if if you wiped out the 2017 season, let's say you didn't know the result of the 2017 season, you just know that they lost 103 games and fired everybody. And then it was blank. You don't know what happened in 2017. And then 2018 was a few games below 500. You would have said, and then Maurer's contract comes off the books. You would say, okay, like, okay. So they've progressed from 103. Was it 103 yes. losses? Mm-hmm. 59 and 103. And, uh, and they chunk their way up. And now, now they're ready to push forward with their own manager. And they've got the Maurer contract off the books. And, uh, Jose Barrios is maybe ready to, to explode here going into his prime. But because they got super hot in the second half of 2017, mm-hmm. it threw expectations off for 2018, and we all fell into the same trap. Like, oh, well, the, you make the wild card game, and so the next logical step is to go above and beyond. And I know I was mistaken. I gave them too much credit for the the August and September hot streak from a couple of years ago. I think we all were. And they had eroded – so much. I mean, their pitching was well, nothing two years ago, and it still has a lot of work. And to your point of, about the, the fans, though,
1: where the disappointment comes in and is completely fair is, is you know, you, you go into that ballpark in 2010, make the playoffs, and that team had been really good, right? So you're thinking to, to yourself, okay, they, they might have a downstretch, but it's going to be a couple of years, and it's not going to be terrible. And so, so where I agree with you about fans having every right to be extremely... Disappointed is nobody could have foreseen that the downstretch in that ballpark would be this long. Mm -hmm. And it was born of the fact that, that, you know, when they got rid of Bill Smith, they should have gone outside at that time and gotten a more progressive GM. There were a lot of things that this team did wrong. I don't think, and I might be proven wrong eventually, I don't think Falvey and Levine were the wrong guys. But it is very odd when you go from 103 defeats in 2016 to popping up. Mm -hmm. Because the the one thing I believe that we said on the old show quite a few times was, that is weird. Like, it's weird to go from, if if Falvey and Levine, if you could have given them, the day they took this job, the blueprint, and said, okay, draw the blueprint out for me, I think they would have said, we're stuck with Paul for 2017. We fire him, 2018 transition. And so so the fact that this team post trade deadline in 2017 got so damn hot threw th- things off but I don't fault fans for one second for being PO about the fact that this team has had so many bad years in a ballpark yeah. where it was expected that
0: they would pretty much excel. Yep. What 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 result do you want to see from this offseason? Let, let me I'll answer it first and then Go ahead. Like what when we get to April and the season starts and you look back at this winter for the Twins. What will your expectation have been for them? And I would say if all they're going to do, and I don't think this is what they're going to do. I think they're going to do more. But if all they're going to do is look for the CJ Krohn types where he's going to make an arbitration about $5 million. He's a good player, had a breakout season, 30 home runs, and it's definitely a good acquisition. And you've solidified first base and you don't have to worry about that now. Uh, But if that's the path they're going to go down for the next four or five guys that they acquire this offseason, then I will deem this winter to be a failure for them. Their currency ordinarily is prospects because they aren't going to they don't they're not going to spend with the Yankees and the Red Sox. But because they have so much money that's come off the books, Dozier came off the books and Maurer off the books and Irvin Santana, if they want, even within their parameters to get up into that one hundred twenty or one hundred thirty million dollar payroll range, they could spend 60 to $75 million. So when I look at the Braves landing Josh Donaldson for $23 million, and that is a ton of money for one year. Guy coming off injuries, and he's 32 years old. I get it. But who's more likely to be an impact, game-changing player for their team next year? CJ Krohn for the Twins for $5 million. And they didn't have to trade anything because they claimed him off waivers. Sure. Uh, or Josh Donaldson, who has MVP upside. Donaldson and best probably, in the yeah. base, right? Yeah. So I guess I'm not going to crucify them for not landing Josh Donaldson, but if Josh Donaldson would have played for the Twins for $23 million, I would have considered that over CJ cron Like that's the type of – you can spend more money. You could go trade for a Zach Grinke and eat all that money if Arizona doesn't want it, and you might not be able to do that in two years. You're not going to like what I'm about to tell you then. Royce said on the podcast that
1: his that he has heard – not confirmed, but he has heard – that not the poll ads, but the current baseball administration wants to take this payroll down for about two years and do and do sort of not exactly an Astros type of
0: thing though, and then come back up. but if it's short-term contracts, if it's one or two year contracts, what you're saying why yeah. do they care if the if the poll ads are approving a certain amount being spent? And they I might can get say, it if you don't want to sign a bad five-year contract. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely. where I'll, I'll be critical of them. Absolutely.
1: I think the most important, here's the, here's the thing I have to see. And it sounds simple, but I have to see it. If Sano shows up in Fort Myers fat, I'm going to be ticked off. Like, seriously, you need to, you no, need no, to get,
0: get ready to brace yourself. No, but you need the last time he wasn't fat when he was 16. And Byron, but you know what? The Miguel Sano the last that, time I wasn't fat. The Miguel Sano <laughs> that
1: returned after the, basically the June into July stint, body shape wise, I'm fine with, but I need to see Sano and Buxton actually excel in 2019 i need to see it that's my thing because if we don't see yeah. that if we don't see that what are you going to do you can't trade him at that point
0: you can't trade him now either no you, you, you well, could you, i you think shouldn't. you could trade buxton it would be a terrible
1: i wouldn't trade buxton. trade buxton i think you could i i if i got an offer for sano right now that was decent i run to take it but this would was,
2: you get an offer for sano right now
0: i don't think so you'd get an yeah. offer for buxton cuz you could you could start him in, you know actually the the twins are at the same point with buxton now that they were with carlos gomez about 10 years ago mm. and they traded gomez at this point when they had yeah, you can't they had kind of given up a little on gomez well, as a starter jj he, hardy right yep and then they got jj hardy was, that was a and that trade actually on paper wasn't too bad because now now they're getting an all-star shortstop but then he has a down year and they, they trade pull, low pull on, on him. him yeah so selling low has Has absolutely crippled this franchise in some ways. Where they turned Carlos Bleeping Gomez into Jim Hoey.
1: But those are the two, (laughs) those to me are easily the two. I don't, if you sign people, that's fine. But if those two guys don't come in
0: next spring and start excelling, you got all types of hurt. Things the Vikings can learn from their own offensive performance against Green Bay and from Bill Belichick when we come back, and plus Rich Gannon in about 15 or 20 minutes. It's the football hour coming up with Mackey and Judd. The Mackey and Judd show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500
2: ESPN.
0: Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar,